Hi, welcome to Notes from a Drama Watcher, a podcast about East Asian dramas. It's part review, part recap, so there will definitely be spoilers ahead. Let's go! Welcome to episode 25 of Notes from a Drama Watcher. This is your host, M. Welcome if you're new. Welcome back if you've been here before. This episode's going to be, I don't know if it'll be short, <laughs> but I'll just be talking about two shows in this episode. Remember You, which is the Thai version of the South Korean drama, I Remember You slash Hello Monster. That's episodes two through seven I will be talking about here, and it can be found on Netflix. And then I'll also be talking about Bad Buddy, which is the Thai BL starring Om and Nanon. I will be discussing episodes three through five in this podcast. I really didn't watch much else because like many Americans, I was celebrating Thanksgiving with my family. So if you also celebrated Thanksgiving, I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving full of health and happiness. So as I said, I'm going to start off with Remember You. Remember You, I don't think um, last time I read the summary on Drama List, so I'm going to do that here. It's actually very short. It's from Netflix. A genius detective teams up with a colleague to investigate a case that hits close to home, but the duo becomes entangled in a cat and mouse game. I actually think that's a really good summary because it pretty perfectly describes the show. Doc, or Tony, is a, ge- is a genius detective. He's actually a consultant to the team. And I and her colleagues are the, the, the police, the actual police detectives. It does become throughout the series, at least if, if they continue keeping to how the Korean version is, it does become very cat and mouse because they show a lot of flashbacks going to the past where you see Doc or Tawan or Tony uh, as a child. You see the serial killer who ultimately winds up murdering his father and kidnapping his brother. And the killer's name is Patacorn. And actually, they don't realize now that they're in present day, they don't realize that Patacorn is actually, he's somewhere around them. They just don't know that he is actually still there. And he's actually still doing things, you know, kind of behind the scenes. And so it does become very cat and mouse because they are trying to solve that old case, plus also new cases without knowing actually their enemy is still around them. So actually episode two is filled with a lot of flashbacks so that we can really understand Tawan's character. We see, I mentioned in the previous podcast, um, his father was a criminal profiler, uh, specifically dealing with the case of Patterkorn. And we see like an awareness growing within the father and also him just being a, a profiler and a psychologist, thinking that Tawan had sociopathic tendencies as a child. It's really concerned him and he took certain actions such as, you know, he made Tawan live in the basement of the house. I mentioned this previously. Tawan has moved back to Thailand. He is spending time in the house that he grew up in. And so it's bringing a lot of memories for him, including he makes various trips down to the basement and just remembers things as a child. They don't explicitly come out and say this, but I'm not even sure these are things he remembered previously or if his recollection is being sparked by just being in the house and going down into the basement because we do know that he has some traumatic amnesia from what happened after when he saw his father was killed. In episode three, we see them investigating a case of someone who's killing women 
young women and they catch a suspect. Unfortunately, Tawan is the first one there on the scene and because no, none of them really know him that well, they suspect that it might be him who did it. They were in time, however, to save the victim of the attack and while she is in the hospital, she is visited by someone who we find out later is actually the lawyer of the suspect. And this is the lawyer who's played by Tawan. I did it again. I just realized I was calling the main character Tawan. It's Tanwa. Tay slash Tawan plays the lawyer who we will see a lot of him in coming episodes. But he is someone who Tanwa and I don't trust mainly because of him coming and defending this person in this episode, in episode three, who they know attacked this woman. Who because Tawan's character is a good lawyer, it appears the guy is going to get off scot-free. So it leaves a bad taste in their mouth between Doc and I and the lawyer that Tawan is playing. Now, as I said, their, their criminal gets away scot-free or apparently scot-free, but he really doesn't because Tanwa, using I's credentials, basically kind of sets the guy up or he knows that he carries drugs with him and he winds up, the guy's flying to the Philippines and he notifies the authorities in the Philippines to arrest him for carrying drugs. But using I's credentials. And this gets her into a lot of trouble because of course this is international and her commander is, you know, scared this might cause some kind of international incident, etc. So she gets bumped down to being a call 911 call operator. She's angry and goes to confront Tanwa. She goes to meet him in his house and he basically tricked her. He never told her the number to his house. He gave her the wrong number actually for his house, but she winds up finding him anyway. And that's his way of kind of proving that she's been there before and has basically been following him around. And she's trying to come up with all sorts of excuses, how she knew where he lives. And he's just knocking them down at every turn because uh, he knows that she's been following him, but he still, he doesn't know why. He doesn't recognize yet that she is the girl he knew as a child. Actually, this scene is slightly different in the Korean version and it works a little better in the Korean version just because the Korean version is tongue-in-cheek because her excuse for following him as an adult is that she is his fan. That's not her real reason, but that's what she tells him to explain why she knows where he lives. In the Korean version, Jang Nara's character also says the same thing, that she's a Sasang fan, which is like a stalker fan in Korea. But when he tries to get close to her and she's like backing off and he's like, don't you want me this close? You know, aren't you a fan? And she starts saying, no, no, I've changed my mind, etc. In the Korean version, what she says is that she now likes a younger group of guys like EXO, <laughs> which what makes it funny is as as I said in my previous podcast, mentioning EXO is kind of tongue-in-cheek because in the Korean version, Dio from EXO is playing the younger version of the serial killer. So they didn't, in this version, even mention, even have her mentioning at all, oh, I don't like you, I like this person now, whatever. I guess because the younger version of the serial killer is not being played by an idol of any sort, a Thai idol, but that's like the slight difference of that scene. In the meanwhile, in this episode, they are still suspecting Doc of having been the one or possibly being the one who has committed these crimes against these women, especially one of the detectives called Fab, who does not trust Tanwa at all. And anytime something happens, he suspects that Tanwa has something to do with it, whether or not Tanwa is even in the area at all. In this episode, episode four, Tanwa gets a call from a, a retired lieutenant who is someone who had continued on his own kind of to investigate the case of Patankarn, the serial killer who killed Tanwa's father, gives him a call so that Tanwa will come see him. Unfortunately, when Tanwa gets there, the retired lieutenant has been killed. But of course, now since Tanwa has been there, he is now 
possibly a suspect again. He does arrive there in time to tangle with the killer though and is himself injured in the fight. But knowing that he will just be considered a suspect again, he leaves and actually goes to hide out in Ai's apartment without her knowing. Now again, because of what happened previously when she was busted down to being a 911 operator, she's not in on the loop of the investigation, but she did receive a call from one of the detectives letting her know that he was a suspect to just let them know if she spots Hanwa, which she decides not to do and lets him hide out in her place and investigate with him the murder of the lieutenant. Because she's itching to get back on the detective team, she obviously does not want to stay as a 911 operator. Episode 5 just continues their investigation into the murder of the retired lieutenant. They go back to her place. You know, they're still investigating and she tends to his injury. And there's another slight difference here, which I'm very curious as to why they made this change. It's not a big thing, but which is why I wonder why they changed it. So after she tends to his injury, she winds up falling asleep next to him on the rug because she had said before, you know, you're not allowed to leave this circle. It's a circle rug. And she tends to his injury despite his protests and winds up falling asleep next to him. When he wakes up, he carries her to the bed. In the Korean version, after he's about to place her on the bed, he for some reason kind of changes his mind and almost like throws her onto the bed. It's a little bit of a running gag kind of thing that she's actually a very heavy sleeper, so she doesn't even wake up. But in the Thai version, he doesn't toss her the way he does in the Korean version, he actually places her down very gently. And I'm just curious as to why they made that choice. And when I say toss Son Gook in the Korean version, he doesn't like toss her for her to fall. It just, I can't explain it, but he just tosses her like kind of gently on the bed and she just rolls over and keeps sleeping. Over here, he doesn't even do that. It's just very gentle. In this episode, we get more flashbacks. This time it's of Ai and we see her, her trauma from when she was young is that actually her father was a prison guard and was accused of being one of the people who helped Padam Karn escape. But of course, she knows her father was innocent of that. And, um, you know, it just changed the course of her life. And it's probably why she became a detective because she did experience bullying and things like that from the people around her because it was obviously such a big case that it was on the news and everything. And everyone knew who her father was and therefore knew who she was. In episode six, we see that I has been reinstated to the detective squad. We also get to see Tanwa as a teacher. He's a professor in criminal studies and he's giving a lecture to a group of students about mental illness and genetic inheritance. And actually one of the students in his class is Nanon. This is his guest spot that I had mentioned in the previous podcast. The character he's playing here is someone whose father was actually a murderer and he is scared that he himself will become a murderer as well. He's wondering if it is genetic and he winds up speaking to Tanwa after class and sort of saying what the situation is and what he's scared of. Tanwa appears to have almost like an in instant affinity with him because this is something Tanwa is worried about for himself, right? Because his father was not a murderer, but he knows that his father thought that he had, he may have had certain tendencies within him. It's interesting for me on a personal level to watch this after having seen Nanon and Bad Buddy, because if you follow or seen me on Twitter, you know, I mentioned the acting with the eyes for Nanon and definitely you see it here. He's only here for an episode, episode two, and his eyes are of a wounded animal, really. Um, he is so absolutely scared 
to the core. This character is so absolutely scared to the core that he will become like his father. And he's just really looking for reassurance that even if that's in his family, that doesn't mean that that's something he has, that he has to become. He's looking for reassurance that he can be different. And he even asks Tanwa, how do you see me? That's a question that Tanwa has himself. He has asked I also at one point, how do you see me? So that's why I say Tanwa has an affinity for this character because he sees in him a younger version of himself, a scared version of himself with the fears that he had when he was younger and that he really still has in many ways. And this is where a little bit after he talks to Nanon's character, this is where he's talking to I and asking, how do you see me? Because it turns out when he stayed in her house after he was injured, he discovered a picture and then realized that she was the little girl that had followed him around when he was when he was young and he's questioning her as to why did you just not tell me who you were and he believes she was following him around because she thought that he was someone up to no good that he may potentially be a killer himself and that's when he kind of asks her how do you see me and she doesn't answer him at this point which he takes as as an answer in and of itself the fact that she can't say anything to that question. Nanon's character winds up being accused of a murder. Tanwa does not believe that he did it. He, he doesn't believe that he has it in him to have done it. And he decides to hire Tawan's character as the lawyer for Nanon's character. And him being the lawyer means he, you know, he spends time asking questions. He spends time at his bedside because Sharats was injured. Nanon's character was injured and is in the hospital and he's kind of in and out of consciousness. Tawan's character stays by his side as his lawyer. This also though causes him to have to interact with Ai, who still doesn't trust themselves and she doesn't trust him, and to be interacting with Tanwa. These interactions are interesting because Paitai, Paitai is always watching Tanwa very closely. Listen closely to everything he says, watching all his reactions, and you don't know at this point why he's always watching him so closely. And it's a little unnerving, I guess, in some ways to Tanwa. He doesn't quite understand why Patai is kind of trying to be in her circle. And you even see him getting a little bit, Patai getting a little bit upset sometimes when he sees how much Tanwa seems to be showing care for Nanan's character and you don't yet understand why it is that he's upset like that but you understand later which I think is why I've rewatched the Korean drama so many times because you go back and see things that you missed when you went through it the first time you because of your understanding at the end you want to go back and see in the beginning the, the other things that you missed now I said in my previous con uh, podcast. I wasn't sure how Tawan was going to do in this role because it's actually, I think, like a pretty difficult role to pu pull off. And Park Bogum did it very well. But so far, I think Tawan's really holding his own here. I, I really do think so. He's got a little bit of that creepy vibe that Park Bogum had in the, in the beginning and a little bit of the hurt feelings that time that show on his face. You don't yet understand why it is that he's feeling hurt, but it is there and you understand it later or you will understand later as you watch the show so he's he's doing well with this episode seven they just continue to work on the case that unknown's character has been accused of a killing in and that he himself was injured in 
But also in this episode, I is doing some reflecting and realizing that she should have answered Tanwa's question when he asked how she sees him. And she knows his fear that he thinks he might be a monster himself. So she decides that she can't just leave this question unanswered because she knows that it's weighing on his mind. So she goes to meet him. And this is actually one of my favorite scenes in the Korean drama. And it was done well here as well, where she tells him, you know, I know you're not a monster. But before she tells him that, she tells him that she thinks he's arrogant and weird and annoying <laughs> and all of these things. She says that first and then she's like, but I don't think you're a monster. Like, I don't think you're a bad person and you should not think that way about yourself either. And this is important because this character, like I said, he's still, he's not sure. He he's not sure of himself. Even as, as intelligent as he is and as self-assured as he seems, he's, he still thinks that he might have this tendency. And you can see the relief on his face when she tells him flat out, you are not a monster. I don't think that about you. So she actually decides, I decides that they should be buddies basically. And I guess as part of her team building, decides that they should go to an amusement park and hang out, <laughs> which is what happened in the Korean version also. And it's, it's just as funny because he's very much a fish out of water and such a serious person. And she's kind of dragging him along on this team building thing. And he's just like, what is going on? So Park actually, uh, Lieutenant I doesn't notice, but Tanwa notices that they're being followed by someone or he thinks he may have a glimpse of someone following them he's just not sure and later on in the episode we actually see Peitai the lawyer looking through his phone and that's we see pictures from the amusement park and he's just wondering to himself are they really close I and Tanwa or how did they get so close and probably with a little bit of jealousy and again at the time you don't realize why but then you discover later why he is so bothered every time someone gets close to Tanwa and so that was episodes two through seven of Remember You. So on to Bad Buddy episodes three through five. If you have not started watching Bad Buddy yet do yourself a favor and go start watching it. <laughs> Unless you're someone who likes to wait until the end so that you can binge everything. Normally, I'm okay with binging, but with this one, I, with Bad Buddy, I actually feel like I like watching it week by week, even though it's torture in a way. But on the other hand, you have the whole week of anticipation, knowing that you're probably going to see something really good at the end of the week. I'm feeling kind of like I felt when Tale of a Thousand Stars was out, that I was eagerly awaiting each week's episode, knowing that it was coming and knowing that it was probably going to be good. It opens with Pran working on a song and having some trouble. Remember, they're, they're actually, I don't know if I mentioned before, they're actually planning to complete in the Freshy uh, contest, song contest. And he's working on a song and he's having trouble with it and why it's telling him, you know, stop thinking about it and feel with your heart. Think of your memories, anyone that you've had a crush on before, anyone you've had feelings for before. And we see um, Pram thinking to himself and having memories of Pat when they were in high school. And it's a flashback to when they were in the music club together and he was playing on his guitar and he forgot, Pat forgot his pick and he's having trouble with the guitar. I'm sorry, not Pat, Pram. And Pat comes in and sees him having trouble. What he does is cut up his ID and uses the picture part of the student ID and makes it into the shape of a pick and gives it to Pram to use. And in present day, we see Pram with a big smile on his face having this memory. You know, yet more evidence that Pram is, has had feelings for Pat since high school and is actually aware of his feelings that he has for Pat. And that's part of what makes him so kind of closed off 
to Pat in a way and, and hiding his feelings because he knows that it's not something that would be accepted by Pat, really. Pat, he doesn't think feels from that way, but just accepted by their families because we know of the, the tension between the families. Now, back in episode two, the two different friend groups got into a fight near the near the bus stop and they destroyed the bus shelter. And the ones who started the fight, though, apparently were Pran's friend group. And so they are responsible for repairing the bus stop. And so that's also weighing heavily on Pran's minds, even though he wasn't there with them when they were fighting. So it's really not his responsibility in that sense. He, he I believe, was with Pat at the time. But he still feels that sense of responsibility in helping his groups pay for the bus shelter, which is going to cost a lot of money. So they're really trying to figure this out. The same night that he was working on the song, he, I guess, goes out to get something to eat. And there are no tables no empty tables at the food truck where he goes and so he asks someone he sees with an empty seat in front of them whether he can sit there and the person has their back turned to him and it turns out to be Pat which of course Pat's kind of smirking at him but you know <laughs> lets him sit there and they get into a whole thing while eating it's a very <laughs> ridiculous scene in many ways then when they get back to the dorm Pat challenges Pram to a race up to their rooms and Pram is like yeah no way I'm not racing you and of course right after he says that he runs off and Pat has to catch up and this ridiculous race up a flight of stairs where they're sort of knocking into each other and tripping all over the place and then when they finally get to their rooms they're completely out of breath and winded. It's funny because you know, when you watch enough Thai dramas, you see a lot of product placements in Thai dramas. They can be pretty jarring at times, but I have to say Piaf, the director, actually did a good product placement here because after they finished the race, Pram pulls out a inhaler. A it has the word black on it, black inhaler, and is sniffing it, and Pat's trying to grab it and make him share and whatever. And, and I'm just sitting there watching going, hmm, I wonder where I could get that. <laughs> so... He did a good job with it because actually I went on to Twitter later and I think I was looking on Reddit and a bunch of people were mentioning the same thing and wondering where they could find one. So good job, Piaf, in incorporating the product placement seamlessly into the, the scene, the, into the current storyline. After they both go into their separate rooms, you see Pram kind of smiling because even though he acts in certain ways as if Pat is irritating him, he also just kind of has fun when he's with him. Now, just after this race is when... Pat's friends come to visit him and that's when he finds out about the fight that had occurred at the bus shelter. Pat's sister goes to visit Pat and tells him that Pram was at their parents' shop looking for supplies to help fix the bus stop. That's when Pat finds out really just kind of how much trouble uh, Pram's friends group is in in terms of the cost or them trying to repair this bus shelter. He tries to talk to Pram. Pram is kind of ignoring him, but he does find out that this time the fight started because of the video that was posted showing Pat's friend group when they were basically harassing Y, who is Pram's best friend at his workplace. So, you know, in this episode, Pat keeps trying to talk to Pram, but Pram really wants nothing to do with them because, you know, it's his friend, Pat's friend group that has gotten them into so much trouble and really his friend, friend group is kind of a problem I'm not sure why Pat hangs out with them <laughs> really um hopefully they change later I don't know if they will but in any case Pat just really wants to talk to Pram Pram wants nothing to do with him and Pat finds a way where he can help Pram to get money and it's through a design contest and he lets Pram know about it in the only way that he can which is another funny scene in the school library and Pram finds Finds the flyer about the contest, decides to enter it, goes to the place, and who should show up there but 
Pat, who even kind of steps in during the presentation when Pat, when Pram runs into some trouble during the presentation. They actually work really well together as a team if they, if they only allow themselves. Even when they're working together, Pram can be kind of prickly at times. He's kind of trying to hold Pat at arm's length, but Pat is not someone who can be really held at arm's length. At least not if you're Pram. <laughs> Maybe with other people he can. But for Pram, they've just always been in each other's orbit. And they were away from each other for a while. But now that they're back together again, Pat is kind of not going to allow himself to be held at arm's length. He, in his own way, wants to be there for Pram. Even later in the episode, we see Pram going over to the bus shelter with his sketch pad, you know, trying to get some ideas about how he wants to do the bus shelter and who should show up there for, but Pat. Pat helps Pram to kind of flesh out his ideas, you know, to be a sounding board. And that whole conversation between them at the bus shelter is very interesting as well, because Pat at first is like, okay, let's pretend that we're a couple and, you know, you can be the girlfriend, I'll be the boyfriend. Pram is like, you know, why should I be the girlfriend? And Pat's just like, okay, I'll be the girlfriend. Like, <laughs> whatever. He doesn't care. And I like that he just does not get hung up at all on anything about gender roles or whatever. He's just like, okay, let's figure out what we need to do to, to flesh out our ideas and make things work. And actually, I've been watching some of the behind the scenes stuff and reading some translations that, that thank goodness, some fans have done on Twitter. Uh, regarding this, regarding the show as a whole, but particularly in this episode, this particular scene where Pat and Pam are working together on figuring out the bus shelter at night when they're in front of the broken bus shelter. I read that Piaf, the director, said that he gave them kind of an outline thing, outline, but then kind of left it up to them. So a lot of this here is actually improvisation on their part, on Ohm's part specifically, he mentioned. And I think it was cool. I really do like this scene. And I don't know how much was improvisation. It it seemed like a lot from the translation that I read from Piaf. And if it was, Ohm did really well with it. But again, if there are two actors in the scene, it takes two people to make an improvisation work, right? Because it's the person doing the improvisation, but the person playing against them has to be quick on their feet to respond to whatever this the first person is saying and doing in the scene. And so uh, kudos to Ohm and Anon at this scene. Really works. It's really cute. And it really serves to show us how they are getting closer. And again, how well they can do as a team if they just allow themselves to. Building the bus stop is going to be very expensive and they don't have the money to hire anyone. You know, just having, just getting the supplies and, and incidentals are enough. They have to figure out how they're going to get this bus shelter built. And so basically, Nanon and Ohm come up with a bit of reverse psychology or psychology with their friend groups and say like, well, Pat's group has to rebuild the shelter. But that shelter, Pram, as Pram points out to his, sorry, Pram's group has to rebuild the shelter. But as Pat points out to his friend group, if Pram's group rebuilds the shelter, they'll have basically like an ownership of the shelter and they won't get to use it. So they really should help to build the shelter as well so that both groups can use it if they want to because you know it's this big competition they don't want one group winning over the other and it seems to work and so both groups then decide to work on the shelter and so that saves pat's friend group the money of hiring outside in episode four we get a new character introduced and it is a girl named ink and she the bus shelter is finished and they're all standing around outside the bus shelter, you know, admiring the work. And here comes Ink running up with a camera. 
both Pram and Pat are like so surprised. And then you see a flashback of the past and it turns out she knew them in the past. She went to their high school. So Pat kind of like runs off with her because he has to get her away from the group. Because remember, their friends do not know that they actually know each other from the past. And they're afraid that ink will blow their cover. So Pat rushes her off so that he can explain to her what's going on. And Pram is looking after them concerned you realize why and it's because he knows that in the past pat actually liked or had a crush on ink now that she's here again you see these feelings resurface in pat he, he's starts to get a little confused because you know he's remembering his crush from high school he still has this kind of crush he thinks when she showed up i was a little bit worried at first because one thing i can say about a number of bls that i've seen is that sometimes there's this tendency to put the toxic female character in there luckily she's not like that at all ink is really sweet actually and i think she's a great character i love her character i already see a lot of people shipping her with pa who's pat's sister i don't know if that'll happen but in any case i just love that she is not toxic at all she is friendly to both pat and pram and i think actually kind of knew before they did in a way that they should be together <laughs> pat doesn't really know pram knows that he likes pat but she sees that they are meant to be in each other's orbit but this episode episode four as well as episode five has just some really heartbreaking moments um like i said pat has these feelings resurfacing from the crush that he had on ink in high school and he starts hanging around her pram is kind of retreating into his shell a little bit because he knows obviously about pat's feelings or he thinks he knows but pat is also a little worried because he sees ink and pram talking to each other and he doesn't know what their conversation is about but it's a very it looks almost like an intense close conversation actually what it turns out their conversation about is is pat because pram is asking ink if she likes pat and she does not like pat in that way so in a way it's kind of a relief to pram but then on the other hand he doesn't yet know what pat's feelings are and at the end of this episode pat asks him if he likes ink and you know they both want to know if they like ink and they decide on the count of three that they're going to say whether or not they like ink and Pram says no, but Pat says yes. And it is so sad. And Pram's face, Nanon's face, this is where I, again, the acting with the eyes. Nanon looks, his eyes, Pram's eyes look so wounded and so sad in that moment. He, he does wind up crying. He sheds a tear. But even before the tear, you just see the wounded look on his face. I don't know that he was expecting a different answer from Pat, but you can tell he was definitely hoping for a different answer. And Pat is just there kind of chattering away, you know, having no idea that Pram is basically like having a, a breakdown next to him, a quiet, lonely breakdown. Now, this whole discussion they're having at the end takes place in Nanon's in Pram's room because Pat is locked out of his room. He doesn't have his key. So he spends the night in Pram's room. In the morning, Pram goes off to school and realizes that he has left the song behind that he was working on. So he asks Pram to put it onto a thumb drive and bring it over to the school for him. And it's kind of a funny scene because actually at the end of episode four, when, when Pat is in the room, of course he doesn't have anything with him because he he was locked out, didn't realize he was going to be there. And so he borrows a shirt from Pram to wear 
and remarks on the scent of the shirt. He loves the smell of the shirt, which actually is, he's saying he loves Pram's smell. And so in episode five, when he goes to the school, he's still wearing the same shirt. Pram is like, why are you still wearing the shirt? And Pat's like, you know, there's nothing wrong with wearing the shirt again. And then he's like, oh, but what's great about this shirt is that it has a wonderful smell to it. And, you know, Pram is just looking at him like, what? What are you talking about? And then Pat is like, yeah, it's great. You know, let me show you. And he winds up starting like grabbing at Pram and trying to sniff him basically. And at that moment, Ink walks over and catches them, which of course makes them all flustered. On the one hand, Pram is just flustered to be caught in this weird kind of position. Pat is flustered because he's still thinking he has his crush on Ink and, you know, his his crush has just caught him like pawing at some guy and trying to sniff him. Ink is just like, oh, love is in the air, which of, of course Pat is denying. Ink knows what's up. <laughs> so Pa, I'm sorry, Pat, not knowing what to do on about his crush on Ink, asks his sister Pa for advice and she starts giving him three or four signs to look for in someone else to know whether or not they return your affection or whether or not they like you. And Ink does not follow any of the signs. Pat realizes she doesn't like him in that way. He realizes this when they're having a lunch together, him, Pa, and Ink. He gets a call from the music shop to pick up something that he ordered and he winds up leaving the lunch. And who does he bump into but Pram in the music store? He doesn't see him at first, but they go reaching for the same guitar and they both grab it at the same time and they wind up touching hands. And that's when Pat looks over and realizes that Pram is there. The wheels, you can see the wheels starting to turn in his head, in his head and he's counting down all of the things that Pa has said happen when you like someone. And that's when he starts realizing that in actuality, it looks like he may have feelings for Pram. And he almost goes running off out of the music store because he just doesn't know how to deal with his feelings. Now, a little bit of time passes and days and he winds up going to Pram's room to ask for the headphones that he had lent him before. While he's there, Pram gets a phone call and it turns out to be from Y, who is his best friend. And that's when we begin to see a little bit of jealousy kicking in on Pat's part because he's hearing one side of the phone call and Pram is like speaking so friendly to Y and also inviting him to his house for dinner. This is making Pat jealous because how could Y be invited to the house for dinner? But you know, really, as things stand, that was never going to be him anyway, right? There's no way Pram's mom was going to be inviting Pat over to dinner at their house. She wants Pram to have nothing whatsoever to do with Pat or his family. But still, he's jealous, even, even knowing these things. And that jealousy will come into play later in the episode. In this episode, the Freshie music contest finally happens. And after the contest, both groups get drunk, you know, separately. Pat is waiting for Pram in front of the dorm. He's got a bag with him. He's going to give him some lotion that he had used when he was staying over at his house earlier. And he had left him a note saying, I'll replace this. And while he's waiting, who should drive up on a motorcycle? But why and Pram? Pat's jealousy causes him to act out in this moment. He's like goading Pram to try to get Pram kind of to admit that they know each other and even maybe that they're friends. Why, of course, has no idea what's going on. He doesn't know they're friends. He doesn't know they know each other. He's just like seeing this tension between them and sees Pram, you know, grabbing onto Pat and Pat sort of being belligerent in that moment. And they just get into a tussle. Why does throw the first punch at Pat? Pat punches him back and you can tell by his face was about to go after him again, but Pram is able to push him off and separate them, yelling at both, both of them to just back off. This episode again 
more heartbreak, more angst. They separate. Pat goes upstairs, takes a shower, tries to sober up, is looking for Pram, doesn't find him in his room and heads up to the roof. And there is Pram. And, you know, Pram is just like, what is up with you? Like, what, what are you doing? You know, you can't keep behaving this way kind of thing. Like, we're not, we're not anything to each other. We're not even friends. Of course, Pat gets upset and is like, yeah, we're not friends. How can we be friends when our families hate each other? Like we're not even allowed to talk to each other. And he tells them, I was so happy when you were gone. I didn't have to compete against anyone. I didn't have to watch what your GPA was. I didn't have to know what sport you were in. Pram is just standing there hurt. You know, he's crying. Like what, what is Pat saying to him? And then Pat is just like, but I was so lonely without you. And that's when, you know, Pram turns and really looks at him. And again, acting with the eyes, both of them in this scene, this ending scene of the show, Pram, just all the hurt and loneliness and sadness that he's been feeling over the years, being separated from Pat, but also just having to hide his feelings over the years. It's all coming out in his eyes and his expression. Pat also desperate in this moment to try to, to reach Pram, to stop Pram from walking away, to express himself and what he's been feeling, what he's discovered recently about what he's been feeling. And then I don't know why. I don't know if it's because it's early in the show. It's only episode five or what, but they have a kiss. And I was just, for some reason, very shocked. I just wasn't expecting it. I don't know why, but I just was not expecting it. And it was actually genuinely surprised when they shared their kiss. And apparently there's two versions of this. So I've, I've been watching it on YouTube, on GMM TV, but it's also on live TV in Thailand. And to keep it PG-13, it's a much shorter kiss. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen the Thai live version. It's a much shorter kiss. But in the GMM TV one, they really kiss. <laughs> there's the kiss, the first kiss, and then Pram reaches for him and pulls him in again. And then Pat is pulling him, kind of pulling him and holding on to his hair. There's just this desperation in the kiss. This is the years of pent-up loneliness and wants and need and everything. Everything's coming out in this kiss. And when they finish kissing, it's still sad. <laughs> Not everything's been answered in this kiss. Pat looks so relieved. He's got this smile on his face. It's, I describe it as feeling as if he's coming home, you know his questions have been answered in that kiss but Pram Pram's just like full out crying and just walks away and Pat is just looking after him as Pram leaves and you know Pat is relieved like I said he feels like his questions have been answered he's feeling good Pram I think is scared out of his mind He's been used to all of these years being in his shell, holding it in, knowing that Pat had no idea. But now it's all out there. Now Pat knows. Pram completely reciprocated the kiss and he's been exposed now. And even if he now knows that Pat also likes him, it's like, so what? Their families still hate each other. Their friends still do not get along. So there's just a lot of fear in Pram right now. I think he just doesn't know at all what the future holds. Even if they admit they like each other now, that doesn't mean they can actually be together. I really loved the acting in this scene, in this episode, even starting from the end of episode four. I am so invested <laughs> in this show and I'm really interested in what's going to happen next. How is Pram gonna, just gonna work through this? How is he going to find his happy ending with Pat? How is he going to find strength after he's basically been hiding all these years? 
how is Pat going to deal with this shift in his feelings, in his perception of Pram, in his perception of Pram in his life? You know, is he going to be looking back and, and looking at things in the past that he never noticed before, etc.? I'm just really looking forward to it. I know in some ways I'm probably preaching to the choir here because if, if you're listening to the podcast and you've listened this far, you're probably someone who watches BL anyway. But if you are not someone who watches BL, you should watch this show anyway. It's just good acting in general, whether you watch BL or not. This is something with good acting in it and good directing, because as I said, I've been reading things about Piaf and, and watching some behind the scenes stuff. And he gives his actors some leeway in how they portray the characters and he's letting them improvise, etc. So just good job all around. This is based on a novel. I have not read the novel. I am so curious about Ink. I mean, anyone who's read the novel, is Ink in the original novel? Is she the same way? I'm just like, thank you so much for not making her a toxic character. I really like her a lot. I like all the characters, almost all the characters. Drake's character is kind of getting on my last nerve, but <laughs> Corn is the name of the character, but hopefully he improves <laughs> later as well. Right now, he's honestly a bit of a bully, but maybe that'll change. And hopefully the parents will change as well, because this little feud they've got going, so far it seems pretty ridiculous. I don't know if something deeper will come in later in the storyline story as we go on, but right now it's a ridiculous feud that you're forcing your children to participate in as well. Again, if you're not watching Bad Buddy, I really recommend that you that you watch it. It's good. That's all there is to say, really. It's just, it's good. Uh, it's on GMM TV, and you can also find it on Tencent, and it is for free, so why not watch? So that is it for episode 25. As I said, I didn't think that this episode would be short. <laughs> I've had a lot to say about both shows. Hopefully in episode 26, I'll be discussing the next episode of Bad Buddy, episode six, and a few more episodes of Remember You. There are a total of 16. And I might say a word or two about Happiness, which is the Korean drama starring Park Young-sik. Didn't talk about it here because I've only really watched a couple of episodes. I want to get a little further in before I talk about that one. Again, this is episode 25. If you want to reach out to me, you can find me on Twitter at DramaWatcher6 or you can reach me by email at DramaWatcherNotes at gmail.com. Thanks again. Stay safe, everyone.